Unleavened Bread Ministries presents from your hands, your feet, your side. Unleavened Bread Bible Studies with David Eels. saints any blessings thank you for joining us today for the unleavened bread broadcast i thank you so much father in jesus name we thank you for making this possible thank you for anointing our eyes and ears to understand what we have here and uh thank you lord uh, for making it flow perfectly in jesus name amen all right, we're going to talk about restoration of the saints. This is number eight. And the first article we're going to look at is, Go forth, my people, be led by my spirit. This is a prophecy given to, through uh, Debbie Finsky on 310.22. This word from our Father's heart is quite a plea for us to be Jesus and do what Jesus would do if he were here in the flesh. And he says, I am here in the flesh. Here I am in you. Well, we know he, he is Emmanuel, God with us. Amen? So, she says, My people, oh my people, have you not heard what you have been speaking this night? Have you not heard the message that has been going forth from your mouths as you have shared with one another? Have you not felt your heart swell and your faith arise? For my people, tonight you have been speaking the message that I have spoken to you before this. This message is more than get ready. This message is be ready. Rise up. Take your stand. Move out. Move forward a mighty army that you are, even though you are few, for it is uh, the few that I choose to use. I have heard you ask, Lord, give us the faith to go forth and be your hands, your feet, your mouth, to speak the word, be healed, be delivered, my people. O oh, my people, I have uh, given you my word, my word in you is the faith already given to you, and my word in you is power. And I have told you many times to go forth. So go forth, my people. Will you not just trust the power of my spirit through my word in you to move out through you to set the captives free? So many are waiting. Repent of lethargy. Well, my thought is that we are called ambassadors for Christ, which means we are to represent him to the world and not ourselves. Second Corinthians 5 and 20 says we are ambassadors, therefore, on behalf of Christ, as though God were entreating by us. We beseech you on behalf of Christ, be ye reconciled to God. 
This going forth may not be the way man plans it. It may be just who God causes to bump into you or you bump into them every day. Uh, it's, um, it's being ready to be used of the Lord and conscious that you are there to be used of the Lord. Amen? Repent of inhibitions to keep you from being used in this hour. This is the hour. Now is the time. Stop looking and waiting for a certain point of time in the future. Look at now. Now is the time. The time has always been now. And I say to you again, no more holding back. For it will not be you. It will not be about you. And it is all about me through you in power, my people. And of course, we know that the Holy Spirit will flow through us. You know, as he wills, not as we will. And Second uh, Corinthians 13 and 5 says, Try your own selves, whether you are in the faith. Prove your own selves, or know ye not, as to your own selves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed ye be reprobate. I have told you in the past, be led by my Spirit. Yes, amen. Uh, I've been... Uh, in miracles myself before and wondered how I got there and how the words came out and so on and so forth. It was just a flow of the Spirit. It wasn't something pumped up by me, okay? So be led, my people. Yes, here I am in you, beside you, before you, and behind you, always ready to lead you. So see the work that is before you, my people, and do it. As you move in me, and as you allow me uh, to move in you, you will see the needs that I have planted. And many of these will be added to my planting of faithful overcomers. They have always been right before you, even where you have turned. Behold, uh, and be strong, my people. The harvest is ready, and I have made you ready. Amen. And here's another one given through Debbie Fenske on 2722. Open your mouth and I will fill it. The Lord spoke this word after a night of worship and praise unto him. And he said, Too much silence, my children. How I love your songs of worship unto me. How I long for you to uplift me in this way. And I am honored, uplifted by your worship and your praise. But, oh, my people, I need you to not be so silent. I need you to open your mouth and give unto me your worship from your heart, even as you go about your daily activities. Yes, it's not just for church, is it? Give unto me the fruit of your lips from your heart and the glory that is due my name through, through prayer and through praise. Talk to me. I long to hear from you in this way, my children, and I long to give back unto you what will uplift you. Only open your mouth wide, my children, lift me up, and I shall fill you up, and you shall go forth and glorify me. Amen. Some words here. We put Deuteronomy 30 and 14. But the word is very nigh unto thee in thy mouth and in thy heart, that thou mayest do it. 
Isaiah 59, 16-21. And he saw that there was no man, and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore his own arm brought salvation unto him, and his righteousness it upheld him. And he put on righteousness as a breastplate, and a helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on garments of vengeance for clothing, and was clad with zeal as a mantle. According to their deeds, according he will repay, wrath to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies, and to the islands he will repay recompense. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west, and his glory from the rising of the sun. For he will come as a rushing stream, which the breath of the Lord driveth. Amen. And a Redeemer will come to Zion. That's the bride. And unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, says the Lord. And as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord, my spirit that is upon thee, and my words which I have put in thy mouth, shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed seed, says the Lord, from henceforth and forever. <clears throat> For the morning meeting on uh, 3.17.22, we received by faith at random, Jeremiah 12 and 5. If thou hast run with the footmen, and they have wearied thee, then how canst thou contend with horses? And though in a land of peace thou art secure, yet how wilt thou do in the pride of the Jordan? In other words, an invasion. <laughs> yes, true. Okay, I want to share this dream of, um, of resurrection life. And it was given to Claire Pinar, 3.14.22. I dreamed I was in a waiting area, like a lobby of a hotel. Well, a hotel represents individual temples joined together into one holy temple in the Lord, as Ephesians says. Uh, the hotel lobby is a communal area, right? I had my room keys with me, and I think the number 144 was on the key. Well, this represents uh, the key of David to bind and loose, which the David man-child 144,000 uh, gives to Claire as the bride here, just as uh, Jesus did. He passed that on, right? Revelation 3 and 7 says, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, that's the bride church, right? Um, right. These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, and he that openeth and none shall shut, and that shutteth and none openeth. And uh, Matthew 16 and 19 I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So we have this authority. Uh, we have authority over the works of darkness. 
We have authority over the curse. We have authority over the devil. As Jesus said. And here is the 144,000 David man-child body. Revelation 14, 1. Uh, And I saw and behold the Lamb standing on the Mount Zion. Hmm. And with him 144,000, having his name and the name of his Father written on their foreheads, which means in their minds, right? The name is nature, character, and authority. These are they that were not defiled with women, meaning denominations, sects, divisions, for they are virgins, meaning they have not received the seed of men. Right? These are they that follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. And these were purchased from among men to be the firstfruits unto God and unto the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no lie. They are without blemish. Well, she said there were others in this lobby, but They were staying in other motels around the area, not in the same hotel I was staying at. We know that the bride is a sanctified body through the teaching of the 144 man-child, as it was with Jesus and his first disciples. I saw an Indian family with four children, all similar in ages to my own, which is under 12. They were very friendly, but they were of a Middle Eastern religion, and I was very aware that they were not a part of the flock yet. And I asked them the names of their children, and they rattled them off. Then the Holy Spirit took me over in this dream, and I knew and I felt it. I said, what's the name of the fifth child? And the wife and the mother of the family looked down with pain in her face and her tears dropped onto the floor and the husband looked down too. I don't remember the fifth child's name for sure, but I think it was Priya. In Hindi, this name means dear or beloved. She had uh, died somehow a long time ago. I said very calmly and confidently, in the name of Jesus, she lives. Then I had a vision of this little girl's skeleton being lifted out of the ground, wrapped in white linen before my eyes. The sinews and the muscles and the flesh came back onto this young child. The skeleton changed from being grotesque at first to being feeble. And then it changed again to being peaceful and then radiant with the life of a five-year-old little Indian girl. Rion, uh, Claire's husband, said, This reminds me of that song, These Are the Days of Elijah, Where the Dry Bones Becoming as Flesh. Well, although mighty miracles of physical resurrection will take place in the days to come, and in these days we've seen some too, Ezekiel saw a spiritual resurrection through revival in which eternal life is entered into. 
Ezekiel 37, 1 through 6 says this, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. And he caused me to pass by them round about, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. Well, this is a dry, dead people church, you know, uh, that's all over the world right now. They don't have the life of Christ flowing through them. They need revival like this is going to speak about. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord, thou knowest. And again he said unto me, Prophesy over these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and you will bring up flesh upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Well, Claire went on to say, the parents were jumping up and down. They were saying, this is the true God. This is real. Is this real? How can that happen? Can we touch her? And then there was much hugging and celebration, and they introduced their other children to the fifth child, their daughter Priya. And then I woke up. Well, okay, folks, there's going to be revival. There's going to be resurrection of dead people from the world coming into the kingdom, too. And uh, these people who were dead will live uh, in the days to come in this revival that Ezekiel is speaking about. And then uh, we have an article here. We've It's Marie Kelton's Revelation 11, 21. We called it Jesus and the man-child is coming to teach us. And uh, she said, During the night meeting, I had an open vision of me being in heaven. Well, this is probably meaning in heavenly places in Christ, Ephesians 2 and 6. And he raised us up with him and made us to sit with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I was wearing all white. And, uh, of course, I believe this represents sanctification, right? I and two other people ahead of me were all sitting down. Well, sitting with him in heavenly places, as we just saw. Um, the Lord was in front of us as he started passing out graded test papers. James 1, 2 through 4 says, Count it all joy, my brother, when you fall into manifold temptations or testings, right? Knowing that the proving of your faith worketh patience. And let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, lacking in nothing. Amen. The first person got an A. The second person got a B. Then the Lord came to me, and I got a C. 
All the grades were written in red ink with a circle around them. Well, you know, many times the words of Jesus are in red in the Bible. But actually, he is the word of God, which is all of the word. And uh, the words of God are a test for us as to whether we will have faith to obey them or not. And after the Lord gave me my test paper back, he sat down and started to teach me. James 1, 5 through 8. But if any of you lacketh wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing doubting. For he that doubteth is like the surge of the sea, driven by the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord, a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Which is why, of course, we study the Scriptures to renew our mind, uh, get all the viruses out of our hard drive, and be able to hear the Lord and obey Him, right? And have faith in Him. And then I woke up. Well, it made me think of these verses, Matthew 13 and 23. And he that was sown upon the good ground, this is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, who verily beareth fruit and bringeth forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. And First John 2, 27. And as for you, the anointing which you received of him abideth in you, and you need not that any one teach you. But as his anointing teacheth you concerning all things, and is true, and is no lie, and even as it taught you, you abide in him. Amen. Go to the Word. It is the pure Word of God given forth through the disciples and apostles of Jesus. Amen. Uh, and then Marie Kelton had this one here, 128.22, Seeing Christ in the Mirror. During the night, the Lord gave me a vision of my spiritual man in a dark place. Uh, well, the verse comes to me, 1 Corinthians 13, 10 through 12. But when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I felt as a child, and I thought as a child. And now that I am become a man, I have put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, and then shall I know fully, even as I also was fully known. Um, okay, so our spiritual man needs to be enlightened, and that's why we give him the Word of God. The Bible says, take the Word of the Spirit, right? So she was wearing all white and standing in front of a vanity that was all white with a desk and a chair. And she said, my spiritual man was looking in the mirror and saw a black being there. And I knew it was my flesh man in the mirror. 
Well, this reminds me of James 1, 23 through 24. Um, but be ye doers of the word, and not hearers of the word only, deluding your own selves. Okay, and then 23 and 24. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in the mirror. Do you look in there and see yourself, or do you see Jesus, right? You must see Jesus. That's the only way of faith. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth away, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. Hmm. Okay. She said, my spiritual man broke the mirror by hitting it. And I would suggest this is because we cannot see the old man in the mirror or we will not be justified by faith that it's no longer us that lives, but Christ who lives in us. And we won't have the power to obey. Okay. Then I saw the Lord standing next to my spiritual man in front of the vanity. All right. And that reminded me of 2 Corinthians 3 and 18. But we all, with an unveiled face, behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are transformed into the same image from glory to glory, even as from the Lord the Spirit. And this is faith. We, we know that when we went down in the waters of baptism, we died. And the one who came up is Jesus Christ. And he lives the righteous life. He is the spiritual man born from above. Amen. And that's how the power comes to do it, too. And Claire Pinar uh, on 3.7.22 got this word that we called uh, run your own race. And Brother Joe Britz put some notes in there in green before I got it. <laughs> she said, uh, I dreamed that I, uh, representing the bride, was in a white limousine. The limo represents that we're very important because Jesus lives in us and we are resting from all works and we're driven by acts of sanctification. It's only Jesus in us who's important. John 3 and 13 says, And no flesh ascended into heaven, but he that descended out of heaven. Excuse me, no one. Uh, hath ascended into heaven, but he that descended out of heaven, even the Son of Man, uh, and who is in heaven, wasn't in the original. There was no numeric pattern in it. And some ancient manuscripts leave it out too. So this part uh, was added in because we know that there's no numeric pattern. And Joe Britz put a note here. He said, Claire, meaning brilliant, denotes the Lampros garment of the bride, um, corporate body, in Revelation 19. Yep, that's what the, the bride was, a Lampros, a glowing garment. And uh, she said, Joe Britz was in the limousine with me. Okay. So Joe said this, the limo represents the vehicle or the means to be delivered at the start of the tribulation. The name Joe is short for Joseph, who represents the man-child. 
See the Manchild Bride book, uh, page 63. That's our book. You can get it on the site, on the front page of our site. Uh, Jesus in the corporate body of manchild ministers around the world, who is the husband or head of the bride, of his bride. So she said Joe was dressed in bright blue classic running shorts and a bright blue running vest. He had a gold medal and chain around his neck. Hmm. Well, Joseph was an Old Testament type of the man-child Jesus, and he is dressed in blue representing the works of Christ in the man-child. And Joe Britz said this about this. He said, The man-child has finished or completed his race or his training. Um, and he, of course, he is one to be the first fruits, right? He goes on to say, He is ready for his part that he must play in the tribulation. Genesis 41, 41 through 42. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his signet ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. There you have it, the gold chain about his neck, right? Joe was speaking in the future, past, and present tenses all at the same time, saying, I am training for the race. I've just finished the race. I've run the race. I am running the race. I will run the race. And that's what he said. And Joe said this, in Hebrews 13 and 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today, yea, and forever. And I would say that's because Jesus doesn't live in time. Okay, and we shouldn't either. We should confess the end from the beginning, right? And Rion said this, We live looking forward in faith, future, and in the present through the trial, while looking at what happened on the cross in the past as a done deal. Well, yes, that's correct. And the man-child runs the race, seeing the end from the beginning, by faith. And uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 24-27 says, Know ye not that they that run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? You know, Jesus has already won the prize. <laughs> the one is Jesus, and those who abide in him through faith. Right? Even so, run that you may attain. And every man that striveth in the games exerciseth self-control in all things. Now they do it to receive a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run as not uncertainly, uh, so fight I as not beating the air, but I buffet my body, and I bring it into bondage, lest by any means, after that I have preached to others, I myself should be rejected. And Claire said, I thought, hmm, me too. I'm also training for the race, and I wonder if he uses a treadmill. 
<laughs> well, I believe that what we're seeing here is that the bride will understand by the witness of the man-child that the race must be won through faith. And that, of course, is seeing the end from the beginning. In Joe Britt's note here, he said, None of the training was self-works. The race must be run with patience and with ourselves and in our faith for the promises to manifest. This is true. And um, my thought is Hebrews 12 and 1. Therefore, let us also, seeing that we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Amen. I thought, I wonder how long he's been training. <clears throat> well, it depends on how consistently we repent and act on our faith, right? Uh, it's not physical age, you know, it's spiritual age. And she said, I thought, I wonder if, he, if we entered the same race. Well, let me say that the end result is the same, Christ-likeness. But we are running for different offices, like man-child and bride. Okay. And Joe Britz had a note here. He said, some have been running this race longer than others, but it doesn't matter, for we are not racing against each other. Yes, that's, we're, that's correct. We're to be ready in time. That's what we're racing against, time. And uh, Joe gives 1 Corinthians 9 and 24. Know ye not that they that run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. Even so run that you may attain. And he said the similar thing I said. Uh, the one here is those who abide in the one, Jesus Christ, who is the word. Jesus will finish the race. In fact, he has already finished the race. And all in him will too. The prizes are many. Eternal life, a work or ministry, fruit, the high calling of the man-child or the bride, etc. Amen. This is true. And... Uh, Claire went on to say, because he had the medal around his neck, I assumed he'd already completed it. <laughs> and I thought his age category must have gone first. Well, we know that the man-child must mature first in order to train the bride, and these people are foreknown from before the foundation of the earth. And Jesus, by the way, said, I have overcome the world. Be of good cheer. I have already run the race. Now we abide in him so that we too may win this race. I woke up and forgot about the dream, and then I was just starting to read this portion of my Bible when I remembered it. Leviticus 2, 4 through 5. And when thou offerest an oblation of a meal offering, bacon in an oven, it shall be unleavened cakes of fine flour mingled with oil, or unleavened wafers anointed with oil. And if thy oblation be a meal offering of the baking pan, it shall be of fine flour unleavened mingled with oil. 
as an oblation of first fruits, you shall offer them unto the Lord, but they shall not come up uh, for a sweet savor on the altar. And every oblation of thy meal offering shalt thou season with salt. Neither shalt thou suffer the salt of the covenant of thy God to be lacking from thy meal offering. With all thine oblations thou shalt offer salt. And if thou offer a meal offering of first fruits unto the Lord, thou shalt offer for the meal offering of thy first fruits grain in the ear parched with fire, bruised grain of the fresh ear, and thou shalt put oil upon it and lay frankincense thereon. It is a meal offering, and the priest shall burn the memorial of it, part of the bruised grain thereof and part of the oil thereof, with all the frankincense thereof. It is an offering made by fire unto the Lord. Well, there could be a lot said about this, obviously, but just very basically, our meal must be the unleavened bread of the word so that we are unleavened. It must be seasoned with salt or purified when we speak it. Colossians 4 and 6 says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Amen. Okay, now this is a revelation given to Elena Timoshuk, uh, 12, 17, 21, and we called it Abiding in Heavenly Places. I dreamt that my husband David went to visit David Eels and Michael. But instead of visiting them where they live now, he was actually visiting them, them in heaven, representing the first fruits man-child ministers living in heavenly places in Christ, I believe. None of them were dead. They were still alive on this earth. But it was like there was a lower part of heaven that was open to those who abide in Christ, and they could visit it even though they were still alive on earth. Well, this is so true. The, the first fruits come into perfection through Christ first, abiding with Him in heavenly places. All right, we are seated with Him in heavenly places. We claim it and we confess it, and uh, we see that that authority that we have seated in his throne with him is manifested through us, right? I got to see a bit of it as if I was looking through my husband's eyes, and it looked like it was just above all the mountain peaks. Well, looking through our husband's eyes represents seeing the way our heavenly husband Jesus sees, right? Uh, we have to see the way God sees, right? The bride has the eyes of a dove, representing the Holy Spirit, just as her husband Jesus does. Song 4 and 1 says, Behold, thou art fair, my love. Behold, thou art fair. Thine eyes are as doves behind thy veil. Veil, of course, is submission, and the eyes of the doves is seeing things the way the Holy Spirit sees things. Thy hair is a flock of goats that lie along the side of Mount Gilead. Okay? Now, 
And Psalm 5 and 12 says, His eyes are like doves behind the water brooks, washed with milk and fitly set. So there you have it. The bride and the groom have the eyes of a dove. In other words, they see by the Holy Spirit. They don't see the way of the world, right? It had beautiful pine trees and rivers, and Michael and David lived in a beautiful large log cabin, a really fancy one. For anyone who loves the outdoors and appreciates nature, this would be their dream place, just the prettiest scenery you could ever imagine, she says. Uh, well, I was shown a vision years ago of a tower of logs that represented the UBM ministry that the Lord was giving to me. And this log cabin represents the UBM ministry living the crucified life, represented by the timbers, how they cross at each corner. Each member, each timber, crosses at the corner and makes a cross, right? Um, she said, my husband stayed with them for three days and then came back to me and was so excited telling me all about it. He was saying how Michael, meaning who is like God, held a staff in his hand, and if someone wanted to enter that part of heaven, then he'd hold it out, and if the color turned red, then the person could not enter because they weren't abiding in Christ. But if it turned green, then they could go in. And he told me how relieved he was when the staff turned green and not red and started telling me about how wonderful and beautiful everything was up there. And my thought is that the, the first fruits have a very good discernment, the discernment of Jesus and uh, the wicked don't ever get past them. <laughs> Second Corinthians 10 and 6. And being in readiness to avenge all disobedience when your obedience shall be made full. Many people step out uh, over that line and they shouldn't. They go to judging people and they don't know what they're talking about. And they haven't seen with the eyes of the Spirit. Then he pulled out a branch from a pine tree and gave it to me. It had the most beautiful aroma. I thought it was so sweet that he brought me a souvenir from heaven. <laughs> well, pine trees are evergreens, and they represent everlasting life. Jesus is the Father of eternity and the branch, and this is the gift of or souvenir that Jesus has brought back to us with his resurrection. Isaiah 9 and 6 says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And the Hebrew here means uh, Father of Eternity and Prince of Peace. Oh, praise the Lord. And then I told him I wanted to go so badly. I wanted to be in heaven. And he smiled and hugged me and said, let's go for your birthday on March the 6th. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, well, 3, 6, or 3 plus 6 equals 9. And 9 was the hour that Jesus died on the cross. And there are nine fruits of the Spirit for those who have died to self. And as in the natural, those who die get to go to heaven. Our, our birthday begins when we begin to die to our flesh by living the crucified life. And then we begin to bear the fruits of the Spirit of God as he makes us a new creature in Christ. Amen. Then he said, maybe then we can stay there for a month. Well, 30 days could be meant here. Jesus was 30 as the law states, when he begins his ministry. Amen. I was so excited I knew it would be the best birthday I've ever had, but I worried a little that we wouldn't have enough money uh, to not work for an entire month. <laughs> well, we know that God will always make uh, provision when he holds the green staff because uh, we walk by faith to follow in his footsteps. Amen? We're justified by faith. Amen? And then I woke up, she said. So I just want to share a little bit more with you about manifesting perfection through Christ. And Father, we, we just ask for your grace uh, upon us uh, concerning what we're talking about today. And uh, we ask that your scriptures uh, touch our hearts and uh, bring it to uh, the remembrance of all who are listening uh, when they're in need. And we pray that this will give uh, them a hunger to walk in the precious things that you're offering, Lord. And we thank you, Father, uh, for working all things together for our good. And, Lord, we want to walk in that perfection that we've been talking about. We know that Jesus has already suffered and died in order to give us that freely. And, Lord, we praise you that you're going to finish the great work that you started in us. And thank you so much. Amen. Well, we've discovered that the life of Christ is actually the glory of God. And that what God is seeking is that glory manifested in us. And that's what he calls fruit. That's what he calls sonship. And that's what he calls perfection. Colossians 3 and 4 says, When Christ, who is our life, shall be manifested, then shall you also with him be manifested in glory. And manifested here is a really good term because it doesn't give the meaning of a physical appearance. The meaning of manifested here is to cause to shine, to make visible. And obviously the life of Christ is being birthed in us, but it's not yet all visible to the world around us. Similarly, to bring forth a child there's a time when the fruit is visible and seen, right? So the fruit we want, of course, is the fruit of Christ. And it says, when Christ, who is our life, shall be made visible, 
then shall you also with him be manifested in glory. So we found that this glory is the shining forth of the righteousness and the purity uh, and the truth of Christ. And going a little deeper, because I know you have some questions about growing from glory to glory. Um, 2 Corinthians 3 and 18, But we all, with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are transformed into the same image from glory to glory, even as from the Lord the Spirit. So we grow. If we realize there is a goal to reach, as some churches do not teach, they teach step over the line, you're in. That's it. Okay. Okay, but there is a goal, and um, that glory that he's talking about is the life of Christ. It's imputed to us by walking in obedience to the Word of God, and it becomes an actual part of our life, our nature, and our thoughts. But we grow from glory to glory. So, Let's study those glories just a little bit to see what they are and how to progress in them, okay? We know that as we behold the glory of the Lord, we're transformed into that same image from glory to glory. But the Word speaks about getting a greater and greater revelation of the Lord in the mirror that's slightly different. In 1 Corinthians 13 and 10, we're told, but when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part shall be done away. So that perfection is the fruit, and it is the glory of God, and it is sonship. And we grow in our revelation of this. You have to re have something revealed to you before you can have faith in it, right? So you're growing in your revelation of it and in your manifestation of it, right? And verse 11 says, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I felt as a child, I thought as a child, and now that I am become a man, I have put away childish things. Well, he's talking here about coming to perfection, coming to maturity. It's the same word being used, completion, you know, is one way it could be translated. And verse 12 says, For now we see in a mirror darkly, so we understand from 2 Corinthians 3 and 18 that we see Jesus in a mirror and we're transformed into that same image from glory to glory, but we don't start out seeing the clear image of Jesus. We can see it darkly at first. We, we see him somewhat as we grow in knowledge and understanding of the Word, and we come into more of a revelation of who he really is, right? So many of us have known a false Jesus, a Jesus who's not the real Jesus. We've had an immature idea of what Jesus is like. But as we discover his will, his desire, his power, and his nature in the Word, we come into a greater revelation of who he really is. The word darkly here in the Greek is in a riddle. At first, we know him in a riddle. And a riddle is something in which the truth is hidden. The Bible is that way. 
in Proverbs 25 and 2, we're told it's the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the glory of kings to search out a matter. So he has hidden the face of Christ in the word for those who really, truly desire to come into the revelation of who he is. To walk in that and to see him in the mirror is a progressive thing. So he says in 1 Corinthians 13 and 12, For now we see in a mirror darkly, but then face to face. So he's talking about when that which is perfect is come. Yeah. You see, the closer we get to the end, the more we see the true image of Jesus. We come to know him as he is. And as we become more and more familiar with his word, which is his nature, and he is, of course, the word. Verse 12. For now we see in a mirror darkly, but then face to face. And now I know in part, but then shall I know fully, even as also I was fully known. In other words, when that which is perfect is come. <laughs> okay. Uh, so knowing in part is seeing dimly, darkly in the mirror, in a riddle in the mirror. But knowing fully is coming to know the true Jesus so we can come into that image. You can't have faith for something that you don't know about, right? So you need to come to know him because when you look in the mirror, that's your gift from heaven. You are reaching out in your faith to receive all that he is because he made reconciliation for you. He made an exchange for you. It goes on to say, exchange, of course, means uh, a reconciliation. So verse 13 says, But now abideth faith, hope, love, these three, and the greatest of these is love. So we're growing into his glory to glory revelation, and we're growing in the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. And we're growing in his love, right? Amen. So I'd like to point out to you the stages of glory in Christian growth. 1 Corinthians 15 and 35 says this, But someone will say, How are the dead raised? And with what manner of body do they come? Uh, thou foolish one, that which thou thyself sowest is not quickened except it die. So, we're talking about the kinds of bodies that Christians are going to have because they are going to have different uh, bodies, kinds of bodies, okay? Verse 37 says, And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not the body that shall be, but a bare grain. It may chance of wheat or of some other kind. But God giveth it a body even as it pleased him and to each seed a body of its own. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one flesh of men, and another flesh of beasts, and another flesh of birds, and another of fishes. So what is the point that he is making? He is speaking of the difference in the earthly flesh that all creatures have. 
And so also, in the resurrected body, there will be differences. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. So we're sown a terrestrial or earthly body, but will come forth a celestial or heavenly body. That is, of course, a much higher creation than this one. And even those heavenly bodies will have a difference because of what you manifested on the earth. But now he tells us a secret, one that many people don't know. Verse 41, There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. So there are different bodies for the different resurrected people. Did you catch that? Okay. So there are different glories, star, moon, sun, glory. And we can say S-O-N, glory. <laughs> and even the stars have a different glory, one from another. Uh, so also is the resurrection of the dead, he says. In other words, not everybody is going to have the same body because they're not going to have the, the glory when they're finished here. And I'm going to prove that to you. 1 Corinthians 15 and 42, It is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Remember what we saw, that the spiritual bodies are different too. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So also it is written, the first man Adam became a living soul, and the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Howbeit, that is not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and then that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is of heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And also we have borne the image of the earthly, let us. That's the numeric words. Let us also bear the image of the heavenly. So that's what it says in the original, in the numeric, and in the ancient manuscripts. It doesn't say we shall, uh, many like we shall, because it doesn't give them any responsibility now. But it says, let us also bear the image of the heavenly. Where are we to bear the image of the heavenly? In the hereafter? Well, no, we start right here. God starts uh, that here in us. Uh, first the spirit, then the soul, and then ultimately the body. And we, we saw that sonship starts first in your spirit, which is the born-again spirit of Christ. 
because we're coming into his image, right? Uh, then, through your obedience to the Spirit, your soul is be born or begotten again through the living Word of God. And then, ultimately, if you're born, if you've born fruit, then you receive that new body. All right? Those that don't bear fruit don't get that. He's commanding us. Let us also bear the image of the heavenly. So how do we do that? Well, this glorious body that we receive, the star, moon, and ultimately sun glory body, are all given because of the star, moon, and sun glory life. That shows a difference of reward, and the Bible teaches this. Here's a good example of God using these different glories as types of bodies of people on earth. The following passage deals with a dream that Joseph had after he had the dream of the sheaves of his brethren bowing down to his sheaf, which caused his proud brethren to be a little offended. <laughs> Genesis 37 and 9. Uh, and he dreamed yet another dream, and he told it to his brethren, and said, Behold, I have dreamed yet a dream. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren, and his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down <laughs> ourselves to thee, to the earth? Well, we know it happened, don't we? <laughs> and uh, his brethren envied him, but his father kept the saying in his mind. He said, hmm, he thought, maybe there's something spiritual here. Maybe there's something I'm not really enlightened about. <laughs> um, but look at what God likened his people to. Joseph was likened to one of the stars who had been separated from his brethren for the purpose of reigning. And God is doing that now, brethren. He is raising up a man-child ministry. Notice that all of God's people are stars, but there is one that is called the moon, which is the mother in this case. Remember his revelation about um, the father, the mother, and the brethren, right? So, in Revelation 12, the mother's position was standing on the moon. That's her position in God, standing upon the moon. And she brought forth the man-child, who is, in this case, Joseph, as a type of the man-child. And, of course, the father here was the son, S-U-N or S-O-N, <laughs> And Jesus is called the Father of Eternity because He is the one who sows the seed in us that brings forth the fruit of Himself. So we see here that God is using the sun, moon, and star glories as types or groups of His people. And we all start out as star glories and progress towards sun glory if we so desire. <laughs> Uh, understand, I should say, and desire. So let's look first at what the star may represent. We, we can see that God said 
to Abraham a couple of times, Genesis 22 and 17, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heavens, and as the and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. So here we are the seed of Abraham, who is the father of us all, the Bible says. The Bible calls us stars. We all start out our spiritual life as star glory, but we don't end up that way, thank God. In meditating on this, the Lord has shown me some things about glory, and one is that it represents righteousness. It represents the percentage of the life of Christ in us. If you start out as star glory, for instance, when you are first born again, you have a glory. All all stars have their own glory. And this comes into the parable more and more as we look at moon and sun glory in comparison. In a way, the stars are separate one from another, but they have their own glory. They have their own righteousness. This is what separates them, you see. Every star has a percentage of the righteousness of the Lord because as we're born again, we get a new spirit a born-again spirit from God. And that spirit is full of the glory of God. We had a fallen spirit, and now suddenly we have a born-again spirit. It's called the Spirit of Christ in Romans chapter 8. But even though we have the righteousness of God, we have self-righteousness as well. And it's what keeps us apart like the stars are separated. You know, the different religious people, they're, you know, separated because of self-righteousness in most cases because Jesus didn't ordain that, right? And if you consider Christ to be the Son, they are seated with Christ in heavenly places, right? The stars are, they're up there, right? And that's good, but they are separated one from another. And here's a different example that tells us about the stars in Daniel 12 and 3. And they that are wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. So the wise are turning people to righteousness and making stars out of them. Okay? So there's a great revival coming in these end times, and many people who have had no glory whatsoever are going to suddenly walk in the glory of God in a percentage and a star glory represented by the 30-fold percentage. There are three bearings of fruit, according to the parable of the sower, 30, 60, and 100-fold. These were the ones who entered the kingdom. So star glory is the beginning, and it represents 30-fold fruit. And many will be turned to righteousness as the stars, the Bible says. And after star glory, we have another stage into which we have to grow. And again, what the Lord showed me was that the stars were separate one from another, 
and they have their own glory. This, this is what separates them, because the glory is righteousness. And we have some self-righteous, and we have some God-righteousness, and uh, that self-righteousness keeps us from becoming one with our brethren. The next stage we grow into is moon glory. And here is a really good demonstration of moon glory, Romans 6 and 3 uh, through 5. Or are ye ignorant that all we who are baptized into Christ Jesus, or were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him through baptism unto death. That like as, Jesus, as, as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we also might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. There's an if there. You need to know that. We have to become united with him in this likeness of his death to reach moon glory. The moon is dead, right? Death. It doesn't have any righteousness of its own. It only reflects the righteousness of the sun. It has given up its own righteousness to reflect only the righteousness of the sun. That's all the moon can do because it's dead. But it's also one. Remember, the stars are many. But through death... They become one. That's represented by the moon. Many stars are separate because their own glory, as we have seen. But denominations are separate from one another because of self-righteousness. People separate from one another due to self-righteousness because they're immature and factious and dividing into denominations of one form or another. And Jesus prayed that they may be one, even as we are one. So what do they do? They divide. See, that's the star glory. You never get beyond the star glory if you're dividing one another, right? But instead, because their self-righteousness, they are proud. They resist the word of God, and they fight against their brethren. And through death to self, we become united one with another. This is the second stage, or 60-fold fruit, and this is moon glory. Like the moon, it says we become united with him in the likeness of his death. Right? We also shall be united with him in his resurrection. Now, that's sun glory, S U N slash S-O-N, <laughs> glory. And as we walk through the phase of death to self, we come to the resurrection life that is a hundredfold sun glory. That's completion that we talked about. That's perfection. That's sonship. That's uh, what we're talking about. And we're already sons of God by faith. But we're walking into it through the death, burial, and resurrection uh, that these three glories represent. We're sons of God through faith. And faith is the substance of the thing hoped for while the evidence is not yet seen. Right? Romans 6 
And 6 says, Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, so that the body of sin might be done away, that so we should no longer be in bondage to sin. Amen. So death to that old man, death to that old self, that's how we come into the resurrection life of Christ. We have no light of our own, but reflect only the light which comes from Him at the first. And I'd like to go a little deeper now into a very plain revelation of the moon glory that I've already mentioned, Revelation 12 and 1. And a great sign was seen in heaven, a woman arrayed with the sun, uh, putting on the Lord Jesus Christ, right? And the moon under her feet, that's her position, right? And upon her head, a crown of 12 stars. Everything is represented here. You know, the sun, the moon, the stars. This woman gives birth to the man-child, the first fruits. They are called in Revelation 14. The man-child ministry that's coming forth is the first fruits of those who come into the sun glory. It's by grace. It's by his calling and by his direction and is going to come to pass. And the woman here is the corporate mother of this corporate man-child. The 12 stars around her head are her children, and it is also represents the doctrine of the 12 apostles in her mind. Okay, And there are lots of things you could see there that might all be correct because God is big and he can hide an awful lot of things in, an, in a revelation. And obviously, moon glory is not yet perfect, nor is star glory. And God tells us so in Job. Neither of these are quite clean in his eyes, nor quite finished in his eyes. Job 25 and 5 says, Behold, even the moon hath no brightness, and the stars are not pure in his sight. Hmm. So we, we need to continue on, right? You can't sit on a pew and wait for the rapture. You have to continue on, because wherever you leave this planet, that's going to determine what you are for eternity. So God's looking for something greater than moon glory and greater than star glory. He's looking for the resurrection life of Christ in us, which is the most brilliant glory. And he goes on to say, How much less man that is a worm and the son of man that is a worm. <laughs> so God looks on lost man and unregenerate man as a, a creature of the dirt of the earth and nothing more than a worm and your flesh is still that it has to receive a, you have to receive a new body right and obviously this dirt is made to bring forth the lord jesus christ uh, that's its purpose and without that we're not fulfilling the will of god we're growing and the people of god will grow through this process especially in the days to come from star glory to moon glory to sun glory. Isaiah has a really good revelation of this growth that's going to come to pass in the tribulation to come. Isaiah 30 and 6 says, Moreover, the light of the moon shall be as the light of the sun. Aha! Growth. Okay? Praise God. Those who 
go through this death to self will come into resurrection life, which is what we just read in Romans chapter 6, and that is sun glory. And verse 26 says, Moreover, the light of the moon shall be as the light of the sun, and the light of the sun shall be sevenfold as the light of seven days. So there we see the growth of the moon glory saints into sun glory. Well, here's a revelation. Sevenfold here means that God is going to bring forth fruit out of all the church, all seven churches. He's going to bring forth a fruit out of them that will come into the image of Jesus Christ. Not all will come into the sun glory, but it will be spread throughout the church too. Hence, sevenfold. Also, it will be as the light of seven days, meaning the tribulation period. The time uh, that the Bible calls the tribulation period is the time of the most growth for God's people because they're going through their wilderness experience. They're learning to give up themselves, learning to come into a faith relationship with God in the wilderness, probably because they realize that the days are short. <laughs> yeah. uh, spiritual growth uh, shall be extremely fast at that time because of the great latter rain outpouring which comes on the morning of the third day, as Hosea said, and also because tribulation, the beast is trying to devour the saints, right? And they must uh, hide in Christ. Isaiah 30 and 26 says, Moreover, the light of the moon shall be as the light of the sun, and the light of the sun shall be sevenfold, as the light of seven days in the day that the Lord bindeth up the hurt of his people and healeth the stroke of their wound. So God is going to heal his people. He's going to bind up what was broken. Remember the anointing of Jesus shown in Isaiah 61 and 1. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Amen. So God's going to restore his people who are walking as lame and blind. God is going to restore all that in these days. He called it the latter rain. He said that it would be restoration for all the things that the palmer worm, the locust, the canker worm, the caterpillar, had taken from his crop in all these years. That's Joel 1 and 4. Now, some people say we're already entered the latter rain. No, we're still in the former rain. The latter rain will first be given to the man-child. So this is the greatest promise of God that's going to come forth in these days. Amen? How is this growth going to take effect? Well, here's what Paul says, Philippians 3 and 9. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of mine own. Notice he's not going to settle for star glory, which separates him from his brethren. Even that which is of the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith. 
So this glory, which is righteousness, shining forth from us, is coming because of our faith in God, not because of our works or our ability. If you have faith in God, you will have uh, works and ability. Verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, that's son glory, and the fellowship of his sufferings, becoming conformed unto his death. That's that unity that God is going to bring his people through death. And that is the moon glory. After you come to the moon glory, you have a right to the sun glory, right? And this wilderness is a death experience in order to bring God's people into his presence. This unity is going to be the moon glory, which brings us to the resurrection life of the sun glory. So what is that resurrection life? Well, verse 11 says, If by any means I may attain unto the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained or am already made perfect. Uh-oh. Uh, the resurrection of the dead is now perfect, right? So that's what the resurrection life is, perfection. It is the sun glory. But I press on, if so be that I may lay hold on that for which I also I was laid hold on by Christ Jesus. Now, what did he lay hold on us for? So that we would come to sun glory. So you can sit on a pew and wait for the rapture, or you can get to work in the kingdom of God by walking in faith in Jesus Christ uh, and walking in the death uh, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which the Word of God, representing the water of your baptism, is to bring you to. Let the Word put you to death because you are obedient to the Word, not your mind and not the devil and not religion, right? Well, how did he lay hold on us? Hebrews ten fourteen. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. He perfected us. Now we're seeing perfection as resurrection life. And we're being seen as the sun glory people who are going to enter into this. The sun glory is the next stage. Second uh, Peter 1 and 19 says, And we have the word of prophecy made more sure. Whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a lamp shining in a dark place. When you're in your star glory, the dark place is your soul because it's the next part of you that needs to be sanctified. God gives us a new spirit first so that we have a power, a connection, a discernment, and an ability to walk with Him. But the next stage is having your soul born again through your obedience to the truth, which is what Peter said. 1 Peter 1 and 22. Seeing you have, see, notice, seeing. You're, you're to see something by faith that you have here. Seeing you have purified your souls in your obedience to the truth. In other words, when you obey your spirit, your soul will be born again. Unto the unfeigned love of the brethren, love one another from the heart fervently, having been begotten again, or born again, same word, 
not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the word of God, which liveth and abideth, whereunto you do well that you take heed, as unto a lamp shining in a dark place. So it's not just the born again of your spirit, it's the born again of your soul. And if you have a born again soul, you will get a born again body. Oh, <laughs> Proverbs 20 and 27. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all his innermost parts. The brightest part of you, the most connected with God part of you, is your spirit. And your soul needs to take on the life of that spirit so that your lamp, your spirit, is shining forth with the oil and the light of the Spirit of God in your soul to regenerate your soul. And that's what Peter says, Second Peter 1 and 19. And we have a word of prophecy made more sure, whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. The day star is Jesus. <laughs> and so what is this lamp? Proverbs 20 and 27 tells us, The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching his, all his innermost parts. It's searching your soul. It's wanting to bring light into your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Daystar comes from the word phosphorus, meaning light-bearing. The archa archaic meaning of daystar was the sun. So, when we're talking about the day star arising in your heart, we're talking about the sun glory being manifested in you. There was an occultic reason for it, but in latter times, people began to call Venus the light bearer. Sure. But that's ridiculous. Get up in the morning and see if you see Venus. Are you looking for Venus, or do you see the light bearer, the sun? So we have a little bit of evidence here, and also we have the words morning star. Revelation 22 and 16, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and the morning star. What is the morning star? <laughs> So the Lord is our bright and morning star. So that's another meaning for the glory of the sun, right? S-U-N slash S-O-N. Until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. So we have an end and a purpose. Proverbs 4 and 18. But the path of the righteous is as the dawning light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. Wow. So the, do the downing light brings you into the perfect light. What is the perfect light? It's not the evening. It's, it's the midday. We have more and more of the light in our life and less and less shadow or darkness. The least shadow is at the perfect day when the sun is straight up overhead. 
That's our life. When we're walking in nothing but the light of God's word, this word of prophecy made more sure, he called it, the word which was given to beget our soul unto him, to cause us to have the mind, will, and emotions of Jesus, right? So we're called to manifest Christ in spirit and soul, and while we walk in this body, those are the stages while we walk in this body. We're putting on Christ, putting on his bright garment, and we're talking about a garment for the flesh. No, we're talking about a garment for the soul. <clears throat> Romans thirteen eleven, And this, knowing the reason, that already it is time for you to awake out of sleep, for now is salvation nearer to us than when we first believed. <laughs> no, notice the salvation, the manifestation of our salvation is coming. It hasn't arrived yet. It's nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, and the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Do it. What are our works? Well, faith without works is dead. It's incomplete, right? The fruit of faith is works. And the fruit of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, long-suffering, these are works, but they are the works that are birthed from your spirit. That's why they're called the fruit of the Spirit, and they're birthed by everyone who walks by faith. So works are the fruit of faith. Don't tell me that you have faith and don't have works, James said. He said, I, by my works, will show thee my faith, James 2 and 18. And again, we're not talking about the works of man or the works of the law. I'm talking about the works of God through you. If you walk by faith, you have the works of God. Romans 13 and 12 says, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. You're wasting time if you're walking in sins. Notice that as you put on the works of light, you're casting off the works of darkness, which is a garment. You're taking off one garment and putting on another, called the armor of light. It's not only the works of light, it's the armor of light, because the armor of light is a protection against the enemy that wants to drag us down. Romans 13 and 13 says, Let us walk becomingly, as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So we put on the armor of light and we put on the salvation that he's talking about, which is Jesus Christ. If you put on the works of the devil, you're putting on the works of darkness. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. So we're putting on a garment, the Bible calls it. And we're warned that God doesn't want that garment to be polluted or stained by the works of sin, right? Um, Judges 1 and 23, excuse me, Jude 1 and 23, And some save, snatching them out of the fire, and on some have mercy with fear, 
hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. So you can have the works of darkness on your clean garment, and you are to hate the works of darkness. We are to turn away from them, cast them down, cast off that garment, and put on the garment that the Lord has commanded us to wear. That's what sanctification is. That's what perfection is. And that's what putting on the works of Christ is. We need to constantly be putting on the works of Christ as we read the Word of God. We know that there are stages of perfection. Even at the end, Revelation 19 and 7 says, Let us rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Let us give the glory unto him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. Notice that it says herself. You know, we have the authority of God to do this. Romans 8 and 13. For if you live after the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you shall live. You have to take the authority of God and the power of God's Spirit to do this. If you don't cooperate, it won't be done. So it's up to you to do what God has given you to do. He's given you the authority. Romans 9, 19 and 8 says, And it was given unto her that she should array herself in fine linen, bright. The word here is lampros, radiant and pure, for fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. So we're putting on the garment of light in the spirit realm. Notice that those who are bidden, meaning invited to the marriage supper, don't have that same garment. The bride has this lampros garment, and there is a difference between the bride and the virgins, and between the bride and those who are bidden to the marriage supper, Revelation 19 and 9. And he saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they that are bidden to the marriage supper of the Lamb. So you don't invite the bride, obviously. She's the one who does the inviting. But there are people who will come to the marriage feast and won't be in the bride. They won't have on a wedding garment either in some cases. So the scripture teaches uh, that very plainly, the virgins are not a part of the bride, contrary to popular thinking. But these people are also riding white horses to finish off the enemies of God. And the armies which are in heaven followed him, verse 14, upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and pure. Well, there's those other people. They have the fine linen again except this time it's the word white, which is leucos, and not lampros, which is brilliant. So they're white, but they're not brilliant. It doesn't have the glory of the lampros garment. That glory is radiant, and this is simply leucos, or white. So they're invited, but they're not the bride. The bride is the sun glory, and uh, God's plan is that he has given to us everything that we need to enter into sun glory. Many don't cooperate. Many don't accept the faith or the knowledge that's been given unto them. Or they run after idols and don't have time for God or for his word to renew their mind so that they can come up 
So they're going to end up coming up short, right? Since we're seeing that works have everything to do with star, moon, and sun glory, there is a difference in reward, as we read in 1 Corinthians 15. We see it also here, 2 Corinthians 4 and 17. For our light affliction, which is for the moment, worketh for us more and more exceedingly an eternal weight of glory. <laughs> so the glory is what we're talking about. This brilliance, this brightness, this sun glory that we're coming into. The tribulations that we go through are to bring us into His glory while we cooperate with Him in this process. God will send plenty of people to help us by putting us on our cross. And we go through suffering for the purpose of Christ's life being, life being manifested in us. We need to cooperate with Him in it because this more eternal weight of glory only works while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Verse 18. In other words, we calleth the things that are not as though they were. Romans 4.17. We look in the mirror and we see Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3 and 18. We accept our Son, S-O-N, glory, from the very beginning. Christ is the one who lives in us, and that's why we can look in the mirror and see Jesus. Galatians 2 and 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I that live. It's Christ that liveth in me. Now that's faith. And that's looking not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. This we must do because it is faith that brings us about into this manifestation. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 1, For we know that if the earthly house of our tabernacle be dissolved, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So, so now he's going to tell a secret. Uh, verse 2, For verily in this we groan, long, longing to be clothed upon. There's this clothing again. With our habitation which is from heaven. Did you know that God is doing that now? It is the glory of God in which we're dressing up in the life of Christ first, spirit, then soul, and then body. And verse 3, If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. So, when your body dies, if you don't have this glory, you will be found naked. Verse 4, For indeed, we that are in this tabernacle, meaning this fleshly body here, do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, in other words, we're not hankering to be physically dying here, right? But that we would be clothed upon that what is mortal may be swallowed up of life. So he's saying not that we would lose this body, but that we would be clothed upon while we have this body. Ah. Oh. 
So we're putting on this clothing of the new body, which will be obvious in the time to come. <clears throat> so that's contrary to a lot of people's theology, but it's very plain here, he says. It's not that we're looking for this body to pass away. We're looking for this glory before we lose this body, right? Notice that we would be clothed upon that what is mortal may be swallowed up of life. So, that life has to swallow you up. Now, he that wrought us for this very thing is God, who gave unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Being therefore always of good courage, and knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. And verse 10, for we must all be made manifest before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Wow. So notice, the judgment seat is the Bema seat. It's called the Bema seat. And it means footprint tribunal. You're going to be judged by how closely you walked in the footprints of Christ. John says the same thing, 1 John 2 and 6. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. We will all have to go to the footprint tribunal. Now I'm going to show you something about 2 Corinthians 5 and 10 from the numerics. And this will prove what the original words were because the translator's understanding had gotten in there a little. And God put a perfect pattern in every Greek word in the New Testament so we'd know that in the numerics it says that each may receive through the body according to what he hath done, whether good or bad meaning your works, coming right back around full circle here. Your works are going to determine what kind of body you're going to get because your works determine what glory you're walking in. Your works determine how much of the glory of God you're walking in, whether you are a star, moon, or sun glory Christian. Notice it says what he hath done, whether good or bad. And that's going to determine what kind of body you get, according to what he said. Now we see that there is a star glory body, a moon glory body, and a sun glory body. We've seen what it takes to go from star glory to sun glory. And now we're seeing that our works are our fruit and our faith. And this is what everyone is going to be judged by. You know that everyone is going to be judged by their works according to the Scriptures. Nowhere does it say that he's going to judge your faith. In every instance, he says, you're going to be judged by your works. Revelation 2 and 23. And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he that searcheth the reins and the hearts, and will give unto each one of you according to your works. And Jesus said he would render to every man according to his works. Matthew 16, 27, Proverbs 24 and 12 also. 
always, everywhere, it says that God is going to render to you according to your works. Look at the parable of the servants and the talents that were given to them. Their judgment was according to their works. Look at the cities that people are going to rule over. Again, it's according to their works. Now, who is it that ends up not bearing fruit? They that allow their garment that was given unto them in the beginning to be stained, meaning they are walking in sin. What's going to happen to these people? And who are these people? Let me point out one thing to you. Revelation 6 and 12. I saw when he opened the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the whole moon became as blood. That's the persecution and death of the saints. Verse 13. And the stars of heaven fell unto the earth. So if one star fell to the earth, there wouldn't even be an earth. We know that. So this is not talking about uh, a physical star falling to the earth. It is talking about those who are seated with Christ in heavenly places, the seed of Abraham. This is meant to be a parable, and you destroy it if you make it natural. Verse 13, And the stars of heaven fell into the earth as a fig tree, representing God's people, casteth her unripe figs when she's shaken of a great wind. So this is the fruit that God expects the fig tree to bear. Remember what Jesus said in the parable, Give it one more year, Father, and then cut it down if it doesn't bear fruit. Yeah. Well, here it is, being cut down. Some people say that's the angels. No, it's not the angels. It's the unripe fruit of God's people. It is God's stars who have not progressed, not even held their own, as a matter of fact. And the servant with the one talent hid his talent in the earth. He didn't bear any fruit, and he didn't even save what he had. But look at what uh, Revelation says about the dragon that's waiting before the woman. And his tail draweth a third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon standeth before the woman that is about to be delivered. And this is talking about the seed of God's people, the seed of Abraham, who lose their position of being seated with Christ in the heavenlies. This is their reprobation. He said he was going to spew the lukewarm out of his mouth. And what he means is out of the body of Christ. Those who do not bear fruit to walk in the glory of God, to walk in progressive manifestation of sonship, to walk by faith so that their faith is accounted as righteousness, these people are ultimately going to fall away and go through the great and terrible day of the Lord. They will go through the flood and they will be destroyed. There is a year after the seven years and it's called the great and terrible day of the Lord. So we see that we have a certain amount of time, each one of us, in order to bear the fruit, in order to walk in the steps of Jesus. And, and that when we are called before the Bema Seat, the footprint tribunal, we will receive through the body according to what we have done, whether good or bad. What does uh, through the body mean? 
How is God going to reward us through the body? He's going to give us a body accordingly and suiting the work that we have done on the earth. We desire earnestly that his fruit be in us so that we be sun glory, which is a hundredfold. Some people say, oh, that's not possible. Well, it's not up to us. It's up to God. He's the one who fulfills it for all those who walk by faith. 2 Corinthians 4 and 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Yes. So we're looking at the eternal life of Christ which was given unto us at the cross. We don't live anymore. He lives in us. That's our good confession in the sight of many witnesses. Right? He lives in us. And that's sun glory. Accept this free gift. You, you have to see the end from the beginning. You have to claim the end from the beginning. Okay? It's yours. Receive it by faith then God can give you power to go there. If you say like the apostate preachers say, you can never be perfect when, uh, when they haven't read their Bible, obviously. You know, if you say that, you've allowed these liars to steal something which is the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So accept this free gift and walk in it and God will empower you he will bring it to pass, and you can trust in Him to do it. Glory be to God. Keep your faith and your eyes upon Him, and He will bring it to pass. God bless you, saints. We're studying the Master to see how it's done. He was not just a sacrifice, which is great, because that makes it possible for us to go too, but He is an example. We are walking in his steps in order to come in to Christ-likeness. And, of course, the, uh, the church leaders who don't know this revelation at all can't give it to you because they don't know it. And they've been taught the easy way, right? To sit on a pew, wait for the rapture. But they're going to find out that their works are going to keep them from inheriting the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, which we are all called to. We've been invited. The word called means invited. We've been invited to partake of all that Jesus is because he made reconciliation for us. And reconciliation means an exchange. He gave you his life at the cross, he took away your life and nailed it to the cross. Therefore, your moon glory should be passing away as you come into his sun glory. Amen. Moon glory is good on the way to sun glory, but that's not our goal. Our goal is sun glory. Moon glory is only possible to those who, when they read the word of God, decide, that's what I believe, Lord. And that's what I'm going to do, Lord, by faith in you. They don't read it for intellectual purposes only. 
They read it because they want to know how to walk in the steps of the Master. This is what disciples are. A disciple is a mathetes, a learner and a follower. You're not learning from religion. You don't want to come into the image of religion. No religions have ever come into the image of Christ. In Jesus' day, every one of the apostate religions of Judaism went down the wrong road. And the ones that came out of them and followed Jesus were called his church, which is the called out ones. Now you are called out of these apostate religions to follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. You are to make him your master and not deny him. You see what religion does is it causes you to deny Christ because they want you to accept something that is contrary to what Jesus says in his word. They are deniers of Christ and they want you to be a denier of Christ. They won't let anybody pass them up and enter into perfection. They will chastise you if you try it. <laughs> it is their ignorance. They put everything on that money that they paid in order to go to Bible school and get this certificate. And I'm telling you, it ain't worth the paper it's written on. Neither was it for the Pharisees. You need to seek out your own salvation with fear and trembling. The wind bloweth where it will. And uh, you don't know where it's coming from and you don't know where it's going to. So is everyone that's born of the Spirit. Follow the Spirit of God. If you've got a plan ahead of you about what to do and a rule and a regulation like the church gives you, instead of following the Spirit of God, you will not arrive at the destination. You don't know where you're going. You'll know that after you've manifested Christ and He takes you where you wouldn't have gone, just exactly what He told John. Right? Another shall clothe thee and take thee where thou wouldest not. <laughs> you see, how can you walk with Jesus unless He lives in you? This is the plan from the beginning. Emmanuel, God with us. With who? Us as a body? Us as an individual. Us as an individual. God with us. Remember what Jesus told those Pharisees? You're from beneath. Oh, my goodness. These were the leaders of their religions. You're from beneath. I am from above. And then he says in John chapter 3, we must be born from above. Yeah. From the the Son who came down out of heaven to give us his life. From the manna that was given to give us life in the wilderness. The supernatural manna. That's Jesus. We're not natural people. We're supernatural people. The old man is the natural. The new man, the born-again spirit, with the born-again soul, will get a new body and will be the crowning creation of God. Amen? Oh, glory be to God.
Thank you, Father, for what you're doing for us, Lord. Thank you for the faith that you've given to us, Lord. Thank you that the responsibility is for us to walk by faith. What must we do to do the works of God? They asked Jesus. He said, believe on him whom he has sent. This is how you do it. Believe on him whom he has sent. Get your Bible out. Forget your religion. Get your Bible out. Get it firsthand. Don't get polluted before you understand what righteousness is. It's, too, it's harder to get rid of the foolishness than uh, it is to put the righteous things in there first. It's harder. Get your Bible out. Follow Jesus. You will find the way. He will show you the way. He is the Savior. And God bless you and keep you. All right. Good night. For information, materials, and to contribute, go to unleavenedbreadministries.org. Contributions only may be addressed to David Eels, Post Office Box 231616, Montgomery, Alabama, 36123. My thirsting soul, purest water made me whole. Let your streams of mercy flow, oh Jesus. I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For oh, your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus. Jesus